Welcome to Money in the Mind. Join Andy, a mental health therapist, and Aaron, an accountant, as they explore personal finance, psychology, and provide resources to help on your financial journey. Can you all see that? We started. (laughs) All right. Hey, (laughs) welcome everyone to episode 44 of Money in the Mind, and we have yet another guest today. And this is a guest that actually both Andy and I go back at least 12 years, uh, a mutual friend of ours from college named Sarah Wilkinson. She is a real estate broker and owner of Emerald Realty. She currently lives in North Carolina, and we thought we would have her on to talk about real estate and home buying and that whole process. And uh, given that we know each other and are good friends I am setting the over-under at five for the number of office references that we have. So uh, if if that's your jam, if that's your jam, you might like this one. If it's not, uh, hang in there. If it's not, pick it up. Watch The Office, you freaking bum. (laughs) Good Lord, it's 2021. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, also big shout out to Dustin for the real estate questions that he asked, uh, inspiring this whole kind of episode. And obviously we reached out to the biggest expert that we know, Sarah again, Wilkinson. So uh, Ron, what do we want to do? Have her introduce herself, I guess. Talk about, give her credentials, blah, blah, blah. Sure. (laughs) Go ahead, Sarah. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's awesome. I've been listening to your podcast from the very start and just so proud of you. It's it's exciting. It's valuable. Um, I take a lot of your concepts that you share and honestly apply them to real estate. So um, I think it's just a, a really cool thing you have going. And yeah, we met in college. I formerly am a teacher. So that's kind of the same stance I take on real estate um, is helping people be informed to make their best decisions. I believe in that a lot. And got into real estate and investing, which is a lot of uh, money and the mind, literally. Um, So here we are, been flipping, been um, doing new construction and builds, custom builds, and finally went independent, owned my own business. And it's a good time. Interesting time right now, too. What makes you say that? (laughs) Well, the market's obviously changed a lot in the last year. And... uh, I don't think it's all bad, but it's it's definitely keeping everybody on their toes. And, you know, I have that little competitive streak in me, so I don't mind it too much. So literally explain that for people who have been living under a rock, but have somehow been listening to our podcast, what you mean by the market and what it is doing right now. Because that that's, that's one of my biggest questions is just explain real estate right now, because I know my house has been going like bonkers through the roof um, even in the past two years compared to the last eight years when we, when we moved in and and we purchased it. So yeah, explain this as if I was a (laughs) (laughs) five-year-old. There's one. I'm going to follow it with two and don't do what Michael did and uh, sell, sell your condo before you get the job. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, the market right now is really interesting. You know, we started seeing a change, at least in my area and most of the country, um, ab- about a year ago, to be honest, uh, things like cost of lumber started changing um, with COVID. We saw requirements for loans start to change, not quite a year ago, for the most part, at least on this side of it. Um, you know, I'm not a lender, so I don't know when they started seeing it themselves. But um, practically speaking, it started changing a lot last summer for buyers, for sellers. And the seller's market really hit, at least in my area, um, this side of the country and region, just in the fall, to be honest, it caught up a little bit. So um, things like new construction, custom builds, we're seeing an increase up to, you know, over 300 percent increase on lumber costs. And um, we're also seeing a lot of um, appraisals having to be shifted for people who maybe aren't active in real estate right now, don't need to be. That's a real issue here. And I've actually seen that when I was with new construction before, you know, new construction's always pressing to increase prices of the same type of home, right? Every 
every quarter. So they'll have a schedule for it. And so there's this weird time where appraisals don't work out and you have to stretch all the appraisals. They come in under. Um, it's kind of a weird thing to work out. And then the rest of the market catches up to it. And so essentially that's what we're having right now as well. We have such a large seller's market where properties are being sold anywhere from, you know, 15 to 40 over asking price. How are they going to appraise at that amount, you know, that, that drastic of a change. And so we're seeing a whole market shift where it's awkward right now. And there's a stretch between, um, what the homes are selling for and what the lenders are saying that they're worth. And it's just going to catch up at some point. So we are in a seller's market as a whole, um, which a lot of people realize. And it's, it is very competitive. Um, it's not necessarily a bad time in real estate, but it's a very different time in real estate. Real estate agents have to adjust. We have to set different expectations for buyers, for sellers, lenders have to adjust. And, um, I think it's a good time for education, not bowing out. Do you have any good, I'm always interested in stories. Do you have any good stories right now of either that you've personally experienced or you've just heard about of how competitive some people are for getting a house? Like I've just anecdotally been hearing wild things about what people are doing, you know, way over asking percentages and percentages above asking price and they're 40 people might be in an, on an offer and you know it might go in one day like anything that you've seen that's just just kind of unprecedented and and interesting yeah so first of all hilarious the holderness family posted this parody video this morning on real estate right now everybody should go watch it because i was just dying laughing this morning listening to it um it's a parody, but it's actually really funny because it's pretty true. And it's talking about exactly that, how ridiculous real estate is. So I'll give you this story of, um, let's see, what's today? Today is Wednesday. So this happened just this last week. I have a client. Um, I can share his first name. His name is Matthew. I have a client named Matthew and we, um, we're checking out a house, decided he wants to make an offer. Right. And he told me, this is the house, Sarah, tell me what it is going to take to get, to get this house right? And it's pretty specific location, pretty specific buyer that would want this house essentially. But even with that, we have multiple offers on the property. My buyer's more than qualified for this house, but at some point you're going to top out on that appraisal amount, right? And so you've got to make up for that and watch it. Well, long story short, we end up putting in an offer, 30,000 above list price. It was listed at an appropriate price to begin with. But 30000 above list price, other terms for it were entirely flexible dates on the closing from my client. So we would accommodate the seller for whatever they wanted with that. If it did not appraise, we had a certain amount of money, thousands of dollars set aside to make up the difference for the appraisal. So we already tackled that objection. A $10,000 deposit after going 30 above asking, right? He's not going to get it back in this state. Um, there's different ways to do it. But in this state, it was a deposit that he wouldn't get back no matter what. If they accepted his offer, even if he walks later, they keep $10,000. Um, we even had a sign or formed signed for the sellers because I found out that they were um, doing new construction. I know new construction well. The timing of that is iffy. And so we signed a form to allow the sellers to rent the property from my buyer post-closing. So it's a post-closing seller occupa occupation, not occupation, occupying the property. Believe it or not, I went to school for English and I used to teach the students of our country English. So that was them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, we had all of this wrapped together, ready to go, and we lost it. We didn't get it. We were second place, but we did not get it even with all of that. It was crazy. Um, the only thing I had to call him and I ripped the bandaid off quickly for people. I, I called him. I said, Matthew, what's the one thing that you can come up with that would outdo your offer? And he said, a cash deal. I said, well, that's what happened. And so that's really a shift that we're seeing as well to kind of transition back to Andy's first question of how the market is right now and how it's changing and what people are having to do, how they're having to adjust and plan 
and get resources, we're seeing more cash deals, which a lot of people don't have this kind of cash. I mean, this is a house in the range of 300,000. So a lot of people don't have 300,000 laying around to go make an offer on a house, right? It's not that all of a sudden people have that more. Well, apparently you're not Dave Ramsey and don't just have (laughs) waiting to buy your house, right? Maybe Dave Ramsey is the one who bought it. I knew it. Would you say (laughs) that when you were teaching, did you make unreasonable promises to your students if they graduated high school that you might cover their entire college tuition? (laughs) No, because I hate that episode. I skip it every time. (laughs) We were were watching it. We were watching it as a family and uh, Caden had never Mm. seen it, my 14-year-old. And they and Liz and Caden would watch uh, episodes without me. So like when I'm recording a podcast, um, they would watch episodes of The Office. And I distinctly made sure that I did not watch Scott's Tots because I can't handle that episode. It's so painful. It's just the worst. It's yeah. Anyone watching this, just just skip over the Scott's Tots. Not the most organic uh, reference, but I'm going to I'm going to chalk it up to number three. You have to watch it once, but then don't ever see it again. <laughs> um, I'm going to rip, I'm gonna rip yeah, this. Yeah, so that's a change. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that's a, that's a real change we're seeing in the market as well. And it could tie – I mean, we could talk about this for so long, um, but it ties into, okay, so if people actually have less cash flow, a lot of people right now, than they did two years ago maybe, then where's that cash flow coming from? If they're buying, if, if some people, not everybody, but if some people are buying more in cash, where's that coming from? And it's coming from somewhere else. We do have better rates right now with loans. That's true. But stipulations have gone up. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a whole, you have to look at the big picture here for people in the long term, not just um, the current year and how the market has changed. Well, that that's a, all right. Ooh, that's really really interesting stuff. Okay. So I, I want to hear a lot more about that because one of my band-aids that I wanted to rip off entirely was like, Hey, are we, are we going to witness another 2008 like housing crisis with like things just rapidly increasing? So, and, and you started to kind of answer that, like, where's all this cash flow coming from and where is what's going to happen? I mean, good Lord almighty, a house down the street from me, uh, has a one car garage, two bedroom, I think two bath just went for like 175, maybe $200,000 or something like that. Like in, in, in my area, that's ridiculous in Omaha. So what's happening? Can you, can you answer that perhaps? Ron really wants to know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Um, there's people who know that better than me. i you know, it's their job to know that, but it's somewhat predictable. I mean, we can, we can see tendencies that are kind of happening. We keep our ears wide open. I mean, if, as far as construction, for one example, because I'm big into new construction, custom builds and all that, um, you know, people making a fuss over the lumber, it's a real thing. And from every source, you know, I'm still tied to largest builder in the country and a lot of other, um, you know, sources with big time builders as well as small um, custom builders and whatnot. Anyway, every message is saying that it's not going to go back to what it was before, that this is the new normal. Um, So we have to adjust. And so it is really a ripple effect there. And by the way, it's not to say, sorry, I was going to say, I get chatty about this. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. This this is Mm -hmm. great. Can you expand on that a little bit more? When Mm -hmm. you say, You've heard that it's not going to go back to the normal. Are you talking about like lumber prices? Because I think to myself, I remember I was speaking mm-hmm. to the realtor in our area maybe four or five years ago. And she mm-hmm. was talking about how like the average new build in Omaha was about $305,000. That's, that's, that's pretty expensive for a new build on construction. But then I think to myself, like the valuation of my house right now is like, ridiculously high. Like I looked at it on just like Zillow on Zestimate and I looked at it and I about lost my marbles. I was like, what? But I know for a fact that even if I sold our house for that much, 
I the new build mm-hmm. price has drastically had to increase there. So what do you mean by like yeah. not going back to the norm? Or yeah, go ahead, expand on that. Ron wants to know. Okay, real quick. <laughs> Ron wants to know it all. Um, real quick, his estimates. Since you gave me this opening, don't go yep, off no. of that. Anyone okay, listening perfect. here? So it actually pulls from three sources. And what do consumers want? They just want an answer. They just want a number, a sticker stuck on something. It is not accurate. Um, don't go off of that. I always tell people, think Zillow, um, Realtor.com, et cetera, et cetera. It's like Wikipedia. It might be correct, but it's not necessarily correct. And anybody can access it and post things on there. What you want to do, I know this is a side note, but I tell people this all the time, even if they're not clients, it's so important. But when you are curious about the value of your home, it's not a bad thing to have that in your records. Aaron will appreciate this. To have that in your records and to keep it, even if you're not looking to sell your home, someday you will be you're going to be looking at taxes and this and that. It's a good thing to have in your record. So what you want to do is get in touch with a real estate agent in your area that you trust. Ask them to work up a CMA for you, a comparative market analysis. That is the only way to get accurate data. So that's something that agents often do and, in my opinion, should offer for free. I certainly do um, just as a free service to people. But a lot of people are doing that. So for anybody listening, that's that's my recommendation. Um, you're not going to be rude to ask for that of a realtor. So don't go off estimates. If you need something, give me a shout out and I'll connect you. So um, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, we'll, really? we'll make it happen. But really? So if, yes. if, I have, if I asked you for a CMA, you could do one on my house? I can get somebody to if I can't. Oh, absolutely. That's really cool. I yep. no idea. I had, had, had absolutely no idea. Well, we learned something. We yep. can stop recording. well back to your okay so to put some dollars and numbers on this um so back to your question again to give a perspective in this region at least i mean we're on different sides of the country yes but it is kind of a national average we're seeing um and average is the right way to put that um you know not the outliers and whatnot but on average for a 2500 square foot home the cost of lumber has gone up twenty seven thousand dollars um, and that was as of a month and a half ago, it maybe has changed since then it's getting updated all the time, but that's what we're looking at. We're, um, in the 327% increase of lumber in itself in a lot of areas in New York, that's the case. And so it's, it is very different, but I will say this. So here's the thing. It's also affected the sale of land. I just closed on a lot yesterday. So I sold land yesterday. And people aren't buying land as much because land demands a build, right? Of some kind, unless you're just holding the land to go fishing or whatever you want to do. Um, But anyway, so a lot of people are scared of a build right now because of the lumber price increase. Well, here's the thing. That's a controlled environment to be objective about this. If you're going to a resale, what you are going to face is bidding wars. That's not a very controlled environment. It's an increase with a giant question mark, right? So you don't know how many other people are bidding against you. You don't know what it's going to turn out like. You don't know what ballpark to even make your offer sometimes because real estate has basically gone rogue right now. And so with construction, at least you have a more contained increase and you can predict it. So I'm encouraging people to not necessarily be turned off at the cost increase of lumber, because it is um, more calculated, if that makes sense, than going up against these bidding wars. There's good and bad, but it is what it is right now. And um, the biggest thing is to be connected to someone who's going to um, stay up on the education, be a good resource to you. And like I said earlier, this is just my opinion of the job, but it's to inform people, to teach people so they can make their best decision. That's really important right now more than ever, I think. So basically to summarize it for idiots like myself, it is if you're if you're going to do a new build, like once you have the purchase of the land and you're going to new build, you get a contractor and he's like, listen, with the cost of lumber, with blah, 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 it's going to cost you $300,000. Whereas if 
you're going to buy a house that might be on the market for $250,000 or $280,000, you're not going to pay that. You might pay 310, 350. You might pay way over asking price. And that's where that volatility really happens then. Yeah. You just have to set the right expectation from a real estate agent side of it. You have to set that for your client um, because it's a less controlled environment. Um, and that's true for new construction, you know, doing track houses and, um, you know, subdivisions where they're, they're or pre-sales, excuse me, or um, already on the ground. That's the case there as well. Um, you might do a little negotiating with the seller right now, which is rare before, but you might see that right now, but it's a more controlled environment. So there really is good and bad to both sides of it. You just have to take on a different strategy. So you mentioned kind of like you enjoy the teaching and education part of it. What are maybe some basic things that people really, really need to know? And I mean, this is kind of a common question that you can do probably do some easy Googling on or something, but what might be some of the most important things people need to know going into to buying a house to that they should be looking out for? Mm, okay. So first thing is keep in mind, it does vary a little bit in every state and that's important. So um, there's some basics that will be the same, um, but it's really about getting good tools in your pocket. First of all, is a real estate agent. Second of all, is a lender. For both, you should talk to more than one. You should interview. That is not seen as rude. That's seen as proper and it's doing your homework correctly. Um, both of these professionals are supposed to take you on, um, obviously as a client and put your needs first so that you be fully transparent to them where you're really putting your trust in them. And so it matters a whole lot that you get the right people on your side for that. It does make a deal for you just in the experience, but also in dollars. Um, so that's really important. A couple of things, if I can add this, for people wanting to know how to weed out good or bad realtors. That was literally some of that is just a question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Perfect. Well, good. Perfect. Some of it's a gut feeling, you know, like I keep telling people don't feel guilty about saying no to a realtor or, or interviewing multiple realtors. When I talk to people, I tell them, I'd love for you to consider me. I would love for you to interview, interview me to potentially be your realtor. And that's how I view it. But, um, a couple things I would suggest whether you're on the buying side or selling side is ask that realtor and they're not going to be expecting this, but it's okay. It's not rude. It's just doing your homework. Ask them, what can I expect of you? Because once they tell you what they're going to do for you or not, they're obligated to that. They're, you're having them spell it out. They're having to decide um, how available they're going to be to you, what kind of character they're going to show up with, how reliable they're going to be for you, what, what they can count on in you. So I think that simple question is really important. What can I expect of you as my realtor? Also, you can ask, um, what are your non-negotiables? When you work real estate, what are some things that you live by in your business that are non-negotiables, no matter what come up comes up for us in this process? You can also ask what their expertise is because we have, we have different um, specialties, right? So somebody else may not have worked in new construction where I have, and that's something I can actually walk people through all day from a grass field that's waist high to their couch being in the living room. It's just because I've spent time there and I've been educated on that. There's other things, luxury real estate, you know, in Florida, I do some at the beach here, but if you're going to Florida, well, I wouldn't know what to tell you about that in my best sense because I haven't done it yet, but somebody else has. So asking what their expertise is, it may not be that they're a bad person for you to work with, but you're needing something really specific. You're needing a commercial buy and they've really only done residential or, you know, so those are good questions to ask just to repeat them again. Um, what can I expect of you? What are your non-negotiables and what is your expertise? Those are really good to ask a realtor just to get you started. And then 
add a dose of your gut feeling. If you just don't really drive with them, it's okay to say that you're going to, you know, keep talking to some realtors. That's just fine because you're going to be working with them a bit and you want it to be a good relationship. That's kind of, it's kind of like Andy, someone coming to you and not really having the greatest vibe with you as a therapist. Like I've heard about that recommendation. If you're, you know, want to get some help for anxiety, depression, or any number of other mental health things. If you don't really kind of have a connection with your, with a therapist after how many sessions, just one maybe, or maybe a couple. I, I give um, it two it, or three, but yeah. So that's a good, just any service provider. That's probably just a good general thing. If you're, if you're not vibing with somebody, it's okay mm-hmm. to, to say, sorry, or whatever. You don't have to always apologize to say, oh, mm-hmm. in a respectful way. But Well, first off, that literally never happens with me as a therapist. I jive with. <laughs> no, that, that's, 100%, that's, that's 100% not true. Um, I, I really like those, Sarah. Those are super, super good points. And I'm really happy that you said that. I, I, I did have a quick question to follow up. What would be some negotiables? Because you said, ask the, ask the real estate agent, what are your non-negotiables? What would be examples of those? Are you talking about like maybe uh, hours of operation? Like, hey, uh, don't call me after 5 p.m. or something. Like, w- what are some of those? Sure. Um, I think it would vary person to person so much. If you were to ask somebody, though, it helps them get really specific with you. And it kind of points back to that first point of what can they expect of you? What are you dedicating to them? Um, if I were to tell you, like, if I were to say, look, I've got five kids, I don't by the way, but (laughs) I've got five kids and I don't do business after 6 p.m. Then at least they can make up their mind right then and there if that works for them or not. You've set that expectation. For me, my train of thinking here, um, if somebody was to ask me that, what are your non-negotiables? I would say things like integrity, reliability, being on time, Um, characteristics that I live by as a person, whether I'm being a realtor or just being a person. (laughs) Um, Okay. For everybody listening right there, now they're messing around and it's, they're trying to make it hard for me to keep a straight face and I'm calling them on it. So we're not messing. (laughs) Now you know what it's, now you know what it's. Never, never, no. (laughs) Every episode. Nothing new. Um, but th- that's what I would say. I, I think that it would catch most realtors off guard, but I think it's a good thing to ask. Um, it helps them think about it. What am I willing to dedicate to this person? If you're going to tell them that you're going to show up and you're going to live by this, this and this, then you've got to do that. And so it gives people also the feeling that they're in the driver's seat and that the realtor's been vulnerable with you, that you can trust them more because that is something that's really common. Um, I actually had a hard time with this transitioning from teaching to real estate because I didn't want to look like that, um, like fancy lying soccer mom <laughs> cliche that I had in my head of a realtor because I'm a giver, I'm a teacher. And so that was hard for me at first. Um, I didn't want people to perceive me as sneaky or something like that, right? Cheating them out. And so I think it also just is a trust building moment um, for that potential client and for the real estate agent. You know, one of the things that I freaking love about having guests on to the show, and we've had a we've had a large amount of guests just in 2021. Um, and we're going to continue. We, we've, golly, I think we booked out guests in, into July now, which is amazing. Um, mainly just so you don't have to listen to Ron and I just like constantly talk about nonsense, but seriously, I want you to continue speaking on your personal experience as to what got you into real estate in the, in, in the first place, because you, you touched on that vulnerability piece and we freaking love that in this show because psychology and finance is all about vulnerability. It's all about like, and I, and I think the reason that and and just uh, I, I Ron, I was thinking about this today, and and Sarah, you being a good friend of ours, and you know the listeners that we do have, I, I honestly think one of the reasons that 
this podcast hasn't exploded in the sense is because we almost have like a call to action in a sense, right? Because we're not, we're not asking our listeners to do anything per se, but we're asking them to essentially reevaluate how they view certain things in their life, whether that's values, whether that's the way they spend their time, whether that's anything. And that's something that we hold very, very dear and something that I never want to get rid of in this podcast is, is us being vulnerable with our listeners and our guests, even giving a sense of vulnerability to our listeners as well. So what got you into real estate in the first place? And you, and you, you, like I said, you had a great segue and I think I've repeated myself about 30 times now. So yeah, go, go on with that. Cause it was a beautiful introduction that you had. Um, well, thanks. So I was a seven to 12th grade teacher Loved it. I'm always quick to say that because anytime people ask me, oh, so, you know, when did you get into real estate? What did you do? And that comes up. <laughs> the general response is, oh, like, I couldn't do that. Those crazy kids. I'm like, no, 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 no. I really liked it. I love teaching. I have a lot more patience with kids than I do adults. Just a side note. Because <laughs> it's still a learning process. And I guess I'm just, you know, by the time we're adults, we should know better by now, right? Um Supposedly. It's always a process though, isn't it? Yeah, it's always a process. It sure is. But so I was teaching um, 7th to 12th grade English and coaching track. Loved it. And I always knew that I wanted to be in the classroom for a bit and then go outside of that. Um, both of you guys actually, you won't give a pat on the back for yourselves, but but I will um, to all the, your listeners. Both of you guys have been hugely supportive in um, my crazy dreams and goals that I've put out there that haven't yet formed uh, my nonprofit that's being formed over time, um, which has meant a lot to me to have your support as friends, but also you using your skills and your professions to add to uh, mine and my bigger goals has meant a lot um, from both of you. And that's been for years. So I really do appreciate that. But that is part of why I got into real estate. I knew I wanted to go beyond the classroom. I have greater goals. I have a nonprofit called Take Two that is um, based for teens. Uh, it involves trade skills and it's growing. And so it really incorporates education for that age group, teens, um, meets real estate. And so at the time, you know, when I was last teaching, I got my real estate license while teaching and I uh, just decided to um, kind of branch into that because I knew that my greater passions would take financing as well. And it is just hard. I love teaching, but teacher money is, is hard and teacher time is hard. And so I'd been flipping houses for eight years at that point. I was, you know, into real estate um, in that sense for a number of years. And so I decided to get licensed. I was used to all these like meth houses nobody wants to walk into and I'm pretty sure I'm going to die from them <laughs> at some point. And so that's why I went into new construction. I was like, I need to get more well-rounded and learn the opposite of what I know right now. So I got into new construction. I worked for the number one builder in the country for a couple of years. And I don't know if I was supposed to overhear this, but I, I did overhear that they wanted to open a new region on the coast. And so I just got really, <laughs> I don't know if it's courageous or arrogant or a little of both. I'd like to think it's more just gutsy, but I went to the president and I said, Hey, I don't know if I'm supposed to know this, but I do. I know you want to open a region over there and I'm going to start and I'm going to move there in two weeks. And I did. And, um, that was huge. That was something that agents don't usually get to do, but I learned a lot from that. So I got to bring, um, the number one builder in the country over to the coast. They weren't here before. When I first walked the land, it was grass, grass up to my waist and, um, we're everywhere now. So that's kind of how I got into it, um, into real estate, but it means a lot more to me than just selling people homes. I mean, that's huge. Everybody's home is, you know, supposed to be their safe place. There's a lot of psychology behind that and finances, right? Biggest purchase people make typically is their home. It's also where they go to rest their head every night and to start their day every morning. Um, 
but it's more than just the real estate to me. It is feeding into the greater good of what I want to do and the impact I want to leave. So you asked for a story, I guess I'm giving it to you. That's, that's how I got into real estate. Um, and I do love it in the moment. And I love what it's allowing to me to do in the future too. And that just kind of goes goes to show you what kind of person Sarah is that she doesn't back down from a challenge. She doesn't back down from doing the right thing. She doesn't back down from her goals and ambitions. So, you know, obviously it's one of the many reasons that we're all friends. And one of the many reasons that she makes an incredible agent as well is that she, you know, when no is an answer that has to be taken, she does it, but she sees good sides of it and she does what she can for her for her clients, which again, speaks volumes about you. (laughs) Well, thank you. Take the compliment from Andy while you can. (laughs) The jokes will come soon. I know. Oh, they will. They always do. Sarah, what? Why are you the way that you are? just got a box of questions that he gives me that I just file away in a box to New York. <laughs> and I uh, I put suggestions in a suggestion box and chewing gum. Yeah. <laughs> For Andy's benefit. Everyone needs that better half in life. And although I'm married, Ron is definitely my better half in this, in this this marriage of podcasting. Hmm. I've not, not given my approval for that. For the record. I asked, I asked. Does he complete you? You complete me. You complete me. (laughs) God, how much editing are you going to have to do with this, Ron? I'm leaving it all in. It's all staying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron, what were you going to ask though? <laughs> you said why? And then I interrupted you with something funnier than what you were going to say. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, yeah. The psychological part of this is of course very interesting to me. So what kinds of emotions, what kinds of behaviors do you see with buyers or do you, or are they pretty stoic when they're talking to you? They, you know, they're trying to keep it cool. Or do you see like frenzied behavior or obvious signs of like, we are more emotionally attached to this process than maybe rationally? Okay. So this is a really relevant question to just tying it back to this whole show, money and the mind. I mean, it's real estate all over this, right? Um, A, it depends on the person entirely. I might have a couple come to me and they're absolutely different in how they go about the process, emotionally, mentally, um, even though their finances, they share. So that's really true. I think that's part of why I really like it because I'm such a teacher at heart because my job as a teacher is to help every kid with, you know, where they're at and how they are um, succeed in their own way. And so I have the same thing in clients. Now, um, it varies a lot, but it also as a whole clients right now have changed in general, not everyone, but in general, there's a more, um, or a greater sense of urgency right now because of the market. There's also people, um, being more flexible, with their expectations because it is difficult to get a house. Um, And so they're being a little bit more realistic in that sense, being a little bit more open to things that aren't perfect as opposed to the market before, if I can add that the market before (laughs) people will give you their laundry list of items they want in the house and say, find this. And what I do with that is I say, okay, Great. So these are the items you want. Here are your priorities. Nothing's perfect because I can go give you every single thing you want on your list. I promise. But you're going to pay for it, too. 
And so in that scenario, then the thing that's imperfect is the budget at some, you know, Bill Gates can live in a skyscraper if he wants to um, with flamingos that live on top. You know, at some price you can do it. But anyway, right now we're seeing people be a little bit more flexible in a sense. It's also, and this ties back to you a lot, I was curious to actually share this with you and see what you'd have to say. There is a heightened demand for responsibility from people right now because rates have dropped with loans. We, most of us know this since last year, rates have been good. You know, that's, that's the talk. Rates are good. Rates are good. Um, Go be a buyer. And so a lot of people became a buyer because of the rates. And then all of a sudden it became such a seller's market. It became very difficult for buyers. What it's created is the demand for buyers to get more organized in order to be able to buy. Some of that's good and bad. The requirements for people like me as an entrepreneur have gone up. So it's more difficult. It's still demanding more responsibility financially, more organization, if that makes sense. So as far as people's attitude, like impulse buying and whatnot, that's changed a little bit as well. Um, Reference the parody video from the Holderness family as well. It's very funny. Go watch that as far as impulse buying goes. Um, But some people are thinking about it for too long. And that's the case before as well, but it didn't hit them as hard. It wasn't as much of a detriment before. Right now, it is. What I do for all of my buyer clients is I tell them before and especially now with the market, I say, if you're not ready to make a decision or you don't know about the house yet, that's okay. But you have to be okay with it not being an option anymore then. You have to be okay with the fact that it will be gone by the end of today because you don't want people to impulse buy um, irrationally, Sometimes you have to make a quick buy, but that's not the same as an impulse buy, right? Um, And so it it kind of helps relax people. I have found a little bit to tell them that it helps them get more decisive. Okay, actually, I'm ready to be very decisive about this home and lean into it, or I'm just not. So if it's gone, then it is. Um, Some think too long about it. I have a client like that right now, and they have lost out. I actually have a client who thought too long about it last year and then came back to me a month ago and was ready to buy. And their expectations were of the market from a year ago. And I had to reset it and say, I'm sorry, but that same house we would have looked at a year ago is now $60,000 more for the same thing. Um, The last thing I would say about this too is just as far as impulse buying or not, is to, once again, I referenced this earlier, but to get the right tools. And by tools, I mean people. Get the right real estate agent. It makes a difference in your experience and your dollars. Get the right lender and your realtor can help you with that. And then you have to act on it. Can't just get the right people and send them up, but you have to get a plan and implement it and it all works out. So it's kind of a long answer, but there's a lot to it that I'm also summarizing, to be honest. Well, it sounds like get a real estate agent that's willing to challenge that you're willing to be challenged by as well. You know, if if I came up that like, okay, well, I want uh, six bedrooms, I want three garages, I want a dumb waiter, and I want, you know, blah 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 blah, and I want to pay a hundred thousand dollars for it. You got to have a realtor that just looks at you and says, okay, I want to work with you. You also have to like work with me a little bit, and you, so I'd say first and foremost, it sounds like have somebody that, that that you're willing to be challenged by and also be willing to be challenged as well. You know, you, you can't have mm-hmm. the rainbows and sunshine anymore. You, you got to be able to compromise and maybe put money toward improvements or different areas because it, it is a seller's market, like hot dog. I could, you know, again, I could sell my house right now and come out like wildly on top, but then it's like, and we're homeless. We have all this money mm-hmm. and now we can't actually afford a house uh, within our within our price range anymore. That gives us a space. That we yeah, like when, 
somebody likes the house but wants the vaulted ceiling that's not there (laughs) (laughs) you have to break it down for him (laughs) into these walls here oh wow michael you can hear right through these walls (laughs) no don't put the tv Um, on here And, and my my mind immediately like flashed for somebody who doesn't know the office this might sound terrible but like to the hotel where it's the girls gone wild song going on in the background oh, <laughs> and you can hear that through your wall yeah it's so funny but well uh you know a big part of this is just setting expectations and that's where i'm always going to put the weight on the real estate agent um you know a lot of people fuss that real estate agents get paid a lot of money for doing what I can go to a house. I can call somebody and ask them to show me my house. I don't need a real estate agent to tell me how many bedrooms are in a house. True. You do not. If that is what your real estate agent is doing, if your realtor or a realtor does not save you money and also uh, improve your experience, your time, you know, your, your mental health through it, whatnot, that's not the right agent for you. That's a real easy tell because a correct and great agent is going to not be perfect, but they're going to make such an impact that you walk away better as far as dollars go, as far as experience goes, as far as headaches go. And if they don't ditch the agent, I like that. So I just, yeah, I, I just, I literally just today, someone told me a story. They just bought a house and their realtor, you know, they had to be ready to make a, a quick, a quick buy, not an impulse buy, as you mentioned. And this realtor um, helped them. The The house ended up being like $10,000 over asking, which in this market is like a bargain. So what mm-hmm. the realtor did is um, this house was listed and the buyer was interested in it and the house was having um, an open house over the weekend. So what did the realtor do? They got in touch with the seller and said, hey, would you be willing to show this house on the Friday before the open house? And they've got like, the seller has like a kid or a couple of kids and they said, well, if these people come and see your house on Friday and they want it, then you could avoid having all those people in your house on Saturday and Sunday. And they did a walkthrough on a Friday they put an offer on the table and avoided the open house and got a sale done and the the buyer got the house that they wanted so that kind of thing right there i was like oh wow all of these little little and big ways that a realtor can provide value and those are just something that i came across just today and and i was like wow that was really Mm -hmm. smart it is and so to push back on that, what a lot of people will say then is like, well, why, why did that person need the realtor? Because they showed the house themselves. They didn't even get to the open house where the realtor would do the work. So you just wasted money. A lot of people will say that. And I could say a number of different things about it and kind of depends on the person and the scenario. I think that's true because not every realtor is equal. Not every doctor is equal. Not every teacher is equal. That's true. Everybody goes through school, right? So we know that to be a true concept. You've got good teachers. You've got some teachers that aren't good. Um, but, you know, there there should be a real difference there. And that's something that it's, it's mind-blowing to me how common it is that people don't know what they don't know. Um, people are not stupid. <laughs> it's not mm. that... Um, okay let's just say so which one do i want to pick on more all right i'm talking to aaron more so it's aaron it's not that you're stupid you want me to pick on you more andy (laughs) aaron it's not that it's not yeah we know um it's not that aaron is stupid right (laughs) andy like tips his head But if you don't have access to the tools, can you do the same work as somebody who does? No. So that's what, to make it really simple, that is the most basic premise of why you need a good realtor, not a realtor, but a good realtor. 
because you're not allowed the tools unless you are licensed. So in that instance, you know, that's a that's a shorthanded response, I would say to that. Um, but it, it really does make a big difference. And, you know, I end all of my emails to clients. And sometimes my posts on my Instagram when I'm really talking to uh, viewers as though they're clients here to help you succeed. And I sign off that way all the time because that's the job of a real estate broker, in my opinion. Um, it's not for you to you know, get something, it's for you to help other people accomplish their goals. And I think that is so stinkingly beautiful, beautifully said, you know, you could say that about a real estate agent. Why would you go with a real estate agent? I can look at a house. I know how many bedrooms, Mm -hmm. I know how to bath, blah, blah, blah. You Mm -hmm. can go to a therapist. Like, why would you ever go to a therapist? Like, just have a good friend that'll listen to all your problems and figure it out. Why would you go to a CPA? You could just go to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a tax place online. I, in every single one of these instances, I can name anecdotally and, and probably if I spent some time researching some decent research that shows you go to a CPA because they're in it. You know, Ron and I at, at a personal experience used to do my taxes together. And when I finally went to my very good friend, Rhonda, who is an actively, uh, um, an active CPA, you know, she found even more money that I I could have gotten back. And that's not to denounce Ron. That's not to denounce me. It's just, that isn't what Ron and I were doing at the time. Right. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing. It's the same thing as a therapist, you know, um, sometimes just talking to a friend is good enough and there's nothing wrong with that. You can get all the stuff out that you need to, you can get all that. It's when that problem continues to occur and occur and occur that maybe it would be good for a therapist. And it's the same thing with a real estate agent. You could get, you could go look at a house and say, Oh, I'm going to put down this offer, but guess what? Maybe you just overpaid by $30,000 when you, all you had to do was pay 10,000 because a real estate agent knew all these things and these in and outs that like you have been, making us and our listeners privy to this whole time. And it's been phenomenal. I would never in a million years thought, oh, the seller's building a house and therefore let's allow that seller to rent out the house that the buyer has literally just bought from them. That's incredible. You would never be privy to those kind of things. So that's my tangent. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part it's, partially goes back to finding a good real estate agent and not to, you know, you do the best you can. It's not like you're going to know everything and figure everything out about a real estate agent. You do the best you can. Right. But if somebody doesn't love their work and geek out about it, you probably should go somewhere else. Right. Because I don't want to work with that person, but the person who's all about constantly educating themselves because they love it. Because they just, they love it. You know, ask, that's another thing you could ask a real estate agent too, is how, how do you grow yourself with your business? Like, what do you like doing? Just basic questions, because that's a pretty good tell right there. There's a, a lot of people that are kind of on the hamster wheel and they're doing this because they know how to do it and they'll accomplish it for you. They'll get you to the closing table, right? But it's also just, a nicer way to succeed when you have joy along the way, not that things are perfect. You might land the best realtor for you and have a lot to go through, but at least you have the best one for you then. Right. But if somebody doesn't geek out about what they're doing, then this might sound harsh, but I I call that average. And if I'm picking somebody, if I'm picking a realtor for somebody, I'm not going to pick someone average for them. If you were Aaron, told me, you know, I need a realtor out here in Omaha. I'm not going to go for the average person. I'm going to get the one that's going to like just blow your mind about how great they were and you didn't expect it better than expected. You know, um, it was a blessing to you. It was better than average. Um, So I think that's really important here because all of those things, I mean, education is huge. And that's why you guys have the show, too is to educate people. You know, a lot of people who listen to the show are probably doing okay. You know, they do okay enough with their finances and this and that. Um, Not all the time, but why do they listen to the show? They listen to learn. They listen to get education and get even better at something. It's the same concept. So, 
you know, don't put too much pressure on, on yourself if you're the one looking for a realtor, but it is true. Ask that. Don't be afraid to ask that. And it'll show, I think. Well, you missed a very, very important aspect of people listening to the show because of Ron's incredible good looks. <laughs> Keyword is listening. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We are not on YouTube. <laughs> and we never good will be. Because <laughs> nobody wants to see the stupid Cardinals hats all the time. That's why. He's got a Husker hat No today. one wants to see that. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Aaron. It's it's an improvement. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm rocking my, my brand new Tulane Green Wave sweatshirt that I got from homefieldapparel.com. And they are not a sponsor <laughs> of the show but they are incredible at um, making awesome licensed college apparel. They could be. <laughs> Just Sarah, gonna interject that you, right now. What? Can you broker? Can you broker a deal for us <laughs> with Home Field Apparel for them to become a sponsor? You're good at closing deals. Literally, uh, it's not. Yeah, not theory. because I'm a Just realtor, but apparel. sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what episode it, episode number it is when we make that happen. There we go. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have any other questions. This has been a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. Yeah, this is great. Uh, I have two questions. One, can you get me a cabin in North Carolina? Because my wife and I follow this like cabins account on Instagram. And it seems like all of the amazing cabins are in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So that's my first question. Second question, is it true that a 30-year mortgage is essentially buying a coffin? <laughs> what is that, number six? <laughs> at, at least. Okay, number one, yes, absolutely. And I have a secret spot that's awesome in the mountains that I will not disclose on the show, but I will text you and Lisa so you can have an awesome spot that I want to come visit. So it's really just selfish of me because I want you to get it so I can come there. <laughs> How's that? Deals on deals on deals. As long as you bring your dog. That's my only stipulation. Okay. I don't know if Dagger you know this, will be present. But in 44 episodes, if you don't know this about Ron, he actually hates humans more than animals. If he could choose between dogs <laughs> and humans, dogs 100% of the time. Especially because oh, yeah. he messed up with me during I, this podcast. I think I just solidify that belief in his life. I really don't talk to Aaron unless it's sending a picture of our dog, <laughs> his dog or my dog. And, and that's and really all we do. Yeah. Yep. The first, yep. Thing, it's, the first it. thing that Ron does <laughs> when he comes over to my house is he looks for my cat. <laughs> Never mind. It's not just dogs. It's animals in general. Well, I, this is why we're friends. We, we, we don't talk. Yes. We just animal in office. That's it. <laughs> okay so answer answer to number one yes yes exactly stipulations answer to number one yes answer to number two if it's a real question um no he's incorrect i would argue house does not equal coffin um unless your coffin shaped like a house then that's really interesting i guess but um, we should check with uh, Professor Hanneman at Creighton if that's a. One of our... <laughs> there we go. She was just end of PBS. life options. I actually wrote down a real answer to this, even though you weren't asking for it. I did, um, and what it brought me to was kind of back to the whole premise of your show. Once again, is people can feel like that. Even though it's a joke, people really can feel like that. I don't so much because I'm used to flipping houses and I go live in them and it's kind of crazy. And sometimes I won't have water for two weeks. I've done that before. It was kind of before and I've upgraded my flips. Now I go into them and they're livable. I know it's fancy, right? Um, (laughs) But what it really came down to was it's more mindset 
and prep that come into play more than property. For real estate and tying it to your show, I really thought about this. And um, it's more about people's mindset and their prep than the property itself. I think you got your title wrong. For example, this, yeah, this, this house that I currently am living in and I'm actually selling in two weeks, I close on my house in two weeks, was a foreclosure to the last homeowners here. It's not a foreclosure to me. But the mindset and the prep was different in them for the same property than it is to me. So for people who feel that way genuinely that, um, you know, it's a joke, is <laughs> is a house, a cough, you know. Um, but some people really do feel that way. And that's what I would have to say kind of to wrap this up um, from my side, at least, is it's more mindset and prep than property. I freaking love that, Sarah. Thank you so much. And at that point, we will end the episode. So again, thank you so much to Sarah Wilkinson, the real estate broker, for answering all your incredible questions today. Uh, thank you again for coming on to Money in the Mind. If you like the episode, please give it a subscribe. Leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts. Please, if you don't have Apple Podcasts and you listen to it on something else like Stitcher or Spotify, you can go to Apple Podcasts and find a little review tab to let us a little uh, to leave us a little review. And again, uh, thank you for listening to the Money in the Mind, where we teach you to manage your money and not let it manage you.